Does your place go? Yeah, what do you think? It's really, it's really awful. Do it to it, brother. Welcome to the Lutheran Stuff No Drama Podcast. This is Pastor Hoffman, and with me is Zach Lesher. Say hello, Zach. Hey, everyone. So, uh, Sunday and everything, anything exciting going on in your world over there? Oh, we churched hard as usual. Had the sacrament today. We had a picnic after church. That was good. And my Facebook account has been on lockdown for arguing against pro-abortionists. Well, there you go. Amazing that Facebook is not more understanding to orthodox theological positions. <laughs> or logical arguments. Any logical argument. Yeah, I know. It's, it is a black hole, man. I mean, again, I will say, because we have such cool people that are in the no-drama it's like this weird little corner in the Facebook universe where people discuss stuff and they don't lose their minds over it. And <laughs> it's it's actually very civil and and I, I appreciate the adult mature nature because not every it's not an echo chamber, but people discuss things theologically in a mature way. And you know what? It's a super cool group, and so I'm glad to be a part of it. Absolutely. And, and I, what I don't see is somebody puffing themselves up over anyone else or trying to be haughty. Yep. I see people asking questions and then great people, both uh, clergy and lady alike, you know, offering answers and insight. So I totally agree. Uh, it, it, it's like we, we have this own little uh, Christian utopia. <laughs> I uh, know, right? On the internet where... where uh, I'm actually, I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, you know, we just, I haven't had to argue with anybody in so long. I haven't had to like go toe to toe, you know, especially, you know, in that group. It's just a nice place to discuss theology. Well, I think what we have seen is a lot of mutual respect being shown to people to say, um, we don't agree on this, but I don't need to burn your house down in order to to, uh, highlight that point. Sure. I mean, may I mean I think some good things are being said. Some gospel is being shared, and um, good Lutheran stuff is happening. Absolutely, and you know that gets into things like you know, do you take the host by mouth or do you take it by hand? You know, and those things. Hey, that's up to the Christian's conscience. So uh, right. we don't have to agree on those things. You know, so. There's no point in arguing over them and saying, hey, I'm better than you or you're better than me. <laughs> when, right? So when people um, say, do you take it by mouth or hand? You go, sure. <laughs> yes. What's important is that uh, you take it and you believe in the true presence. Right. That's wow. something that is dogmatic. So, I, yeah. And I don't think you need to uh, really burn, especially when you have Lutherans who are just going, you know what? Sometimes you get in these groups and there's some nuances, which can be important, but, um, and they're not just not there yet. And so it just seems like bickering. And a lot of times I think it is bickering, but, um, if you're trying to have a, a an argument and, and, um, or, or I should say have a discussion and it looks like an argument, then you're just really failing on many levels. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm guilty in the past. I think we've all been there. So someone's asked people, you know, why are you taking this position? Maybe they were hurt at some point in time on that position by somebody and, you know, taught totally falsely the other way, and now they're overcompensating, you know. So Mm -hmm. uh, there's a few issues I stay out of because I'm super protective of. Yeah, and and it it just kind of shows – it kind of shows a good sign or a mark of Christian love towards one another to not not be a hundred percent in agreement and still yet to be able to love each other enough to to continue in sharing and and uh, 
not to just write them off or to just assume that, well, you're all dumb and I'm all smart. And that gets old really quick. Yeah, that gets real old. But speaking of marks of a true Christian, um, we last time were able to get through eight whole verses of chapter 12, uh, Romans. And if you're following along using the Lutheran study Bible, we recommend that. And uh, also to read the, the, the liner notes, too, because they're really helpful. But um, St. Paul has uh, nine verses 9 to 20. Some really interesting things that I really think every Christian listening to this should consider what he's saying. When it talks about what is authentic Christianity and you find out it's not how awesome your praise band is. How great your your you know your graphic tee and, and skinny jeans whatever, um, and and I'm gonna read this all right and then we'll get kicked off. All right, uh, verse nine. Uh, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, if possible, so far as it depends on you. Live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. Oh, absolutely. There's um, I my my first thought on this has always been um, of what uh, marks of a Christian. Ultimately, you see each one of these descriptions are a description of of confidence yet humility. Right. And, you know, I think it's important because when we were talking about Romans um, versus uh, the, the, the verses previous last week, uh, I think Jeff had a question. And I know Jeff is going to be listening to this. He says, uh, what, what was the question? Do you remember? He says, is this something I do or is this something that the Spirit's doing? Right or oh. some along those lines, but it's it's descriptive. What what I would say is Paul is telling you here to, to curb your flesh. Don't do this, but do this. It's descriptive of how one would follow the spirit that they've been given, because the atoms there tugging right back. It's a tug of war game. So oh, it's yeah. it's saying don't do this, do this, right? Uh, okay, I see what you're saying. Definitely. Um, I've got it here. Um, he said, Zach and Bront, your podcast over Romans 12 is great. I do have some questions, though. I want to start with this main one. Romans 12 is written in a way where it is hard to discern if it is instructive or suggestive, um, uh, especially for people who don't have the best law gospel distinction. And he says, like me, I appreciated you, Zach, for mentioning the notes you had in your Bible from the old days. So the question is, is Paul telling us how to act in a way that should come naturally to a regenerate Christian? Or is he telling us how to act because even though we are regenerate, we need the instruction so that we don't continue to act how we have always acted? Is it a goal to work toward? I'm just having trouble understanding with it. And um, he goes into some uh, personal examples there, but really, it's a great question. It's a great question. Um, Absolutely. Because what he's saying here is he's, I think he's, what the language he's looking for, is it prescriptive or descriptive? 
And, right. And so, and and I, I'm sorry, but the answer is yes, um, in the sense that it does. Well, have, let's let's have you define terms in case okay. people aren't aware of prescriptive and descriptive. Prescriptive is when you think about you have a prescription at the pharmacy. The doctor writes and says, "Take this medication. Do this." And so they'll fill it and you're, it's prescribed to you that you should do this. And descriptive is um, something that describes an event in the history of like, um, you know, Moses having, the, um, having all of the um, uh, uh, Philistines, I think it was. Uh, he had them all. Um, um, what is it called when you uh, had them circumcised and then while they were recovering, he killed them? Yeah, <laughs> um, that is descriptive. That's something that actually happened, but don't go and do it yourself. And um, so, you, you, so you see some things in the Bible that recount uh, an event, and and you don't assume everything is prescriptive. And and a lot of the higher critics um, they tend to look at the Bible as descriptive, something that just happened. And so if it happened at all, it's descriptive. And so it's just saying something that happened. So prescriptive is like, you shall not murder. Don't murder, okay? Can we just agree not to murder? You know, I mean, that's really what it is. It's not saying, well, that was just a Cain and Abel thing. That would be looking at, at Cain and Abel as just descriptive and not, hey, murdering was wrong, <laughs> And um, but that was just for Cain and Abel. No, that is a, de- a prescriptive um, thing. So, well, and you know what? Here's an example of prescriptive and descriptive. With that, is it's prescriptive, but in the resurrection, it will be descriptive. So, uh, you won't murder. Yeah, you know, you're right, and all this will be gone. So, um, you kind of look at things that way, and that's not being. Uh, a higher critic kind of way that's being biblical, you know. Um, sure. Well, there is just, no higher critics in the resurrection. <laughs> no. And, and when we talk about higher critics, okay, higher criticism is mainly the, the liberal line. They they take the Bible. They, they kind of teach, well, we don't know what's true because John is spelled different than John here. So, therefore, there must be an error. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, textual criticism is good, higher criticism, bad. So right. we'll have you guys look those things up. But when we say higher critics, it's it, think more main uh, liberal line. That's kind of uh, where they get theology is higher criticism. Sure. And so when Paul is talking about all this stuff, whenever whenever St. Paul or any of the apostles, other apostles or, or evangelists are saying are talking in this way um they are describing this is good now and when we hear something that is good to, to do then we that should be for us as well and and so when we're given this to say that we should do this and i think this is a like a thing where i think people get too polarized on it because they say well are you using the law or is the new man hearing this with joy and doing it gladly? And of course, Lutherans should say yes, because we don't reject the third use of the law. We also don't reject the idea that the regenerate man hears God's word and does it. And so, um, I mean, that because it's good, not because his old Adam is being um, chained. So... Whenever you get, this is how you get things like soft antinomianism is, is because you're not distinct uh, showing that, that is it third use or is it the new man? Sure. <laughs> you know, well, uh, and you and know who what? You, cares? You, can't, you cannot do that with a text like this, because even though you say you're preaching this text to your congregation, right? It's in, it's in the lectionary and you're going to preach it. You might have aimed for second use, but the spirit has aimed for, you know, first and third use. So when you tell me, uh, bless those who persecute you and, and bless and do not curse them, and you want it to be um, a curve for me, you know, the, the spirit might actually say, or not say, sorry, but uh, on my conscience, I might feel relieved because, you know, I actually... Um, 
you know, did this third use right before church. Say I was outside and, you know, an enemy showed up and I blessed him instead of persecuted him. So, you know, I feel a little bit uh, justified in, in my actions, so to speak. Does that make sense? Well, sure. And I'm really glad you brought that up because, you know, when I hear somebody say, well, you know, you preach, uh, you preach it and the, the, the Holy Spirit does with it what he needs to do with it. Let's be realistic for a minute. I got to have Ric Flair on here. <laughs> okay, and so it's to say that when I preach a sermon, it is my job not to just have a time of 30 minutes of me. It is supposed to be uh, a sermon that is faithful to the appointed text for the day. And so I preach a faithful um sermon of law and gospel on this and it goes out into the listeners and god does with his word what he chooses to do with his word i don't try to single out every single person during my sermon and go oh and for you it's this and for you no a faithful exposition a faithful proclamation i'm sorry of the of the text is a blessing because God's word works in the way that God chooses to make it work. That's right. And to quote Jesus, he says, my word does not go out empty and void, but it accomplishes what it was sent to do. So Absolutely. we can take great faith in that and just kind of relax. You know, if you are contrite, if you realize from this list, which most of us should, that we're not owning up to these things, then the answer is always uh, confession and absolution, and then get back up on on your horse and ride again. You sure. know, it's not well despair because I'm not these things. This is the partially now and not yet too. You know, you won't be perfect until the resurrection. Now you're seen in heaven as perfect through word and sacrament, but here on earth you are simul duality of natures. Um, Romans 7, right? So yeah. you're going to fail. So if your aim is perfection, that's great. But you have to also realize you're simultaneously saint and sinner. You can't yeah. achieve it in this life. I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with somebody that says, you know what? I Every day I try to let love be genuine. I try to abhor what is evil. I try to hold fast what is good. Love one another, you know, because well, like I said earlier, this is a confidence, but humility. The only time this stuff ever becomes a problem is when it turns into pietism. And and somebody that has a genuine love and abhors what is evil, you know, they're not over there. You know, they're not like, you know, the vegans. They'll always tell you. You can tell a vegan because they'll always tell you they're a vegan. And so the, I'm sorry, that's an Oregon thing. But um. And, and so you, when you have somebody who lets love be genuine, you just realize that you're just dealing with somebody here who is a, perhaps a very spiritually mature person. And they don't have to wear a T-shirt that says, that says let's love be genuine. <laughs> yeah. So Well, take it out of context. It's kind of the anti-gospel, right? It's... Instead of uh, going to the source where you're actually going to get love, which is Christ, you know, they take it out of context. And this is where you get stuff like gay pride and all this, right? Let Love love wins. Remember that oh, argument? Oh, no. Don't even start us on that. Right. Well, that, yeah. You talk about the road to when perdition. It's out of context. It's not love. So No, that that is, that is, that is concupiscence or eros that is not love. Um, now, so... This is so to Jeff and to anybody else listening, what you do when you look at this is instead of instead of it just being a checklist, take it in for what it is. St. Paul is telling these Romans, these are all good things. And um, and in our life of maturity as a Christian, we start to look at these things and not as me in some contest with somebody or something like that or trying to get smiles from Jesus. As you mature in your faith, you start to look at these things and say, you know what? That's amazing. That is great stuff. 
Oh, boy, do I have a hard time when I'm blessed, trying to bless an enemy and I ask God to forgive me when I'm brutal to these enemies, you know. And um, and so there's it is a part of spiritual maturity that looking over these things that the, as the Holy Spirit works faith in you and you start to look at this stuff, you see, oh, well, what I'm seeing is St. Paul talking about what good stuff looks like. And our old Adam is the one rolling around like a like a, a, cra- a broken marble in a jar, you know, and. And so that's really kind of what we're dealing with here. Yeah, this is why these words have to be repeated, because Adam likes to take over. He likes to repay evil with evil. He likes to be haughty and arrogant and all this, and he needs to be put in check. So the Holy Spirit put it on St. Paul to write this down, to keep Adam in check. So if you're like, what do I do? I'm being persecuted. Well, here's a good thing. Bless the person who's persecuting you. That's what you're supposed to do. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you, you have kind of prescriptive and descriptive to all these texts. So, you know, but remember the Holy spirit is the one who's giving you the strength to do any blessing that you do. So you, you don't, you don't get the credit for that either. Um, it's just kind of the way the word works in us. Well, you know, like the, we're on the one year lectionary and this, this Sunday, the Matthew seven, was talking about beware of false prophets and about thorn bushes don't produce, um, you know, good fruit or, you know, bad, bad trees don't produce good fruit kind of thing. And uh, I said, you know what? I really wish I was a heterodox pastor. And they're looking at me going, okay, here he goes. <laughs> What's he talking about? <laughs> and I said, because I could just come up here and I could, I could just, um, I could just give you a moral therapeutic deist kind of sermon and we could all virtue signal for the next 25 minutes. And then I could, it's like the easiest sermon in the world is just to come up here and virtue signal. And, uh, but unfortunately Saint, uh, I'm sorry, Jesus is telling us to watch out for that. That's bad. And, and so we have to take this in context of, what it means to be uh, not a false prophet. And so we went on about this, you know, it was was one of my longer sermons. I got to start uploading them now, but um, it's just to say that it's very easy. There's a lot of easy routes that people take with uh, biblical exegesis. And I would, wouldn't even call it good exegesis because if you leave stuff out, but um, and and it's so easy to just go and law somebody to death, and they would love it. They would applaud it. And um, and so no, no, no. You need a strict law and gospel, and you need to be faithful to the text. And so I'm not just virtue signaling. Now there will come a time when um, exhortation of the members becomes part of the text. But that wasn't. You know, I walked up there and I said. Okay, everybody, do good works or Jesus will chop you down and throw you in the fire. Amen. The sermon is over. You know, and they're looking at me like going, wow. Boo. <laughs> Boo. Boo, so, get down from there. <laughs> the elders are like twitching. They're getting ready to, to pounce. Okay, he lost it. So, you yeah, know. That, it, well, you know what? That's the great point is a key indicator is that in every sermon you should be hearing about Christ crucified and the forgiveness of sins. Um, so, I mean, obviously you're going to hear the law on that too. But if you're not hearing about Jesus, you're you're in the wrong place. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and I like this here in um, uh, as we get to verse 19. Listen, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Um, there's a lot of people who get hung up in vengeance all day. And um, I'm, I am guilty of it myself. I've been just mad at somebody and just am, am murdering them over and over in my head. And we actually are on the fifth commandment in Bible study. And so we had a, quite a conversation on that. But it is hard for us to believe, to actually believe that God says vengeance is mine. You're supposed you know, to be when I, when I was arguing with the abortionists, too, you know, I did not give them much Christ. I did in the beginning, but then they blasphemed. 
And the scriptures teach us what? Not to give dogs what is holy or cast your pearls before the swine, right? Yeah. But answer a fool according to their folly. And I've warned them over and over. Christ is coming with vengeance. I am a messenger. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, don't be angry with me. I am warning you. These things will happen to you. Yeah. It's it's like seeing uh, somebody laying there that's really ticking you off. But this stream of lava is slowly pouring towards them. And you're going, dude, come here. That It's dangerous. And they're like, forget you. Blah, and it's um, cold over there. Yeah, we and, like the heat. <laughs> and uh, and and you're just going, no, you got it. You know that. And and the retribution isn't mine. I'm not supposed to just walk away. I should be saying, you know, watch out. Um, you're in danger. Uh, so anyway, I Jeff, Jeff, you got to give us your address. I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send you the first prize ever given out by Lutheran stuff. No drama. It's one of our very super cool bumper stickers. And so just send us your address and, and we'll send that to you because you know what? The dude is an awesome question asking machine. Yeah, right on Jeff. Um, congratulations. You know, I actually picked Jeff up in the dojo. I, I think it's almost been two years, but uh, I told him I'd be with him as long as he had questions and we it's been this far. So uh, we've been going good. The Lord has been real good to Jeff and, and, and has been leading him, you know, uh, through the proper teaching. It's always, it's always hard when you come from a denomination, you always have to unlearn what you, you learn and then relearn, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So he's definitely been down the road, but I mean, he's doing great with, with, uh, his learning and, and God be praised. Right. Absolutely. And, and again, that's a, a hallmark of our group. Go ahead, ask good questions. I don't care if they're hard or easy. It doesn't matter. A good question is not hard. It's not easy. It's faithful and it's asked in faith with a sincere desire to learn. Man, that just describes our group. Even even our, quote, troublemakers in our group, they'd be eaten alive in other groups. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because even our, quote, troublemakers are very civil. <laughs> Um, well, let's let's get to this because most people eisegete this text. So let's get a clear understanding on, uh, what is it, uh, 20 here. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, most people think of burning coals as something... Uh, like, ooh, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push this guy down deeper into the pits of hell, right? Yeah. Uh, why don't you give us a good exegesis on what that is? Well, the burning coals, by the way, if you're gonna eisegete this, you're gonna have a great day because it is fun. Because you imagine yourself over there going, <laughs> <laughs> you know who I'd like to shovel some hot coals on? This guy. The truth of the matter, no. Um. It is very confusing. It's it's very troubling for somebody who doesn't really know Jesus to say um, to to have you over there saying, "I know you are. You're mad at me," and and that's and I'm gonna and let's talk about it. I'm not just gonna leave you, brother. I'm a, I'm gonna stay here and talk to you, kind of like what you were saying with Jeff, and um and and for these people that only want you to take a swing at them, it is it it's a it's a horrible it's a horrible thing to be shown love when all you want is a fight and and so the the um the uh the burning coals i mean i can't even think of a better it's not an attack it's meant to be here's what happens when when evil is is faced with good and i'm not saying them and you i'm saying evil thoughts evil words evil desires versus the gospel and it is, it's just, it's just incredible. Um, and so the, the, the burning, the heaping and the burning coals on it. Well, yeah, it is. It is like dropping, it is like dropping hot coals on somebody when they want you to hate them and you love them. And because it's otherworldly, this is the kind of stuff that, um, this is the kind of stuff that 
you don't expect to receive when uh, when all you want and all you see is sort of your own death and, and kind of hell. And I, I just, you know, people are like, ah, it's not for you to go. Now I'm going to go heap some coals on that dude over there. It, that's not what it is. Yeah, no, and to throw in there the reference of Isaiah when he saw the Lord um, and he was a man of unclean lips and a people among with uh, unclean lips, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he knew his sin. He's basically confessing, yeah, I saw the Lord, I saw holy, and I am not. Sure. And the angel came and put a coal on him, right? So on his tongue, you know, uh, taking his sin away. So Paul is kind of referencing here too that the what you were just saying, you know, that this is leading them to repentance, right? So it is. It is. Repentance is the is the always the hope of any any conversation with a Christian to somebody who is in error for whatever reason. That repentance is the goal because it means they have turned away from themselves. And they're facing Jesus, and that's the real point. Yeah, let's. Well, even the guy in Corinthians who is having an affair uh, with his mother-in-law, uh, right? This would be his stepmother, his father's uh, wife. Uh, what does Paul say? He says, "Although I'm not with you in person, I am with you in spirit. I've already judged this person, and I demand that he handed, be handed over to Satan." the destruction of the flesh but then he said most people miss this part that his soul might be saved in the day of our lord jesus christ absolutely the any so why yeah why is he being kicked out well he's kicking him out because he loves him he wants him he wants him to be hey you know what here is what happens and here's what happens when you are in this a rebellion and everything like that it's bad for you and to it's i don't know i think of the modern vernacular is saying tough love yeah but i mean the whole goal right people people so often miss the part where it says that his soul might be saved in the day of our lord so that that the excommunication brings this man to a godly repentance right how would so I'm a member of your church and you come up and say, hey, you know what? We have to talk and, you know, there's some sin going on and it's public and it's embarrassing to you, the church, myself even, and I'm not even self-aware. You talk with me repeatedly. You try and get me to repent and I say, well, I'm good, you know, and you say, okay, you got to get out because I love you. You know, you're, you're excommunicated for now. Well, you know, until I what? When can I come back? Well, there's a when there's that turning away, that repenting. And um repentance is something that the angels in heaven rejoice over. So, I in our old Adam, I can't think of many things the old Adam hates more than the word repent. Because if you repent, the old Adam is like burned up by the gospel. And um so this turning away this action um, is the old Adam really hates the word repent because it plays off to our egos. Oh, you oh, said I was here's wrong. Here's what we get a lot is, okay, so repentance is my work then, right? Well, it's Or a, is it God's work? Well, we know that an unregenerate person will never repent. So you can never call it my work. And um, somebody who doesn't have the Holy Spirit cares nothing for good news, cares nothing for Jesus. Only a person who repents is somebody who actually believes these words written in Scripture. That is a work of the gospel, the good news to say, hey, you know what? I was on the I was on the wrong path. I know that. And um, by my strength or reason, I'd be barreling down that thing on a Harley Davidson going 100 miles an hour. And um, only an act of the Holy Spirit says, hey, you know what? I've, I've gotten off track and my brother or sister here called me out on it. And I know that they spoke the gospel to me and I believe it. So, well, they spoke the law to me and the law also, I believe that. And I turned away. And this is why the, 
the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom because uh, when someone says, I'm afraid I'm going to hell. Well, you might not be as close to hell as you think. Yeah. You know, because the person out there, you, you tell them, hey, you're you're going to go to hell if you persist in this the, these um, mortal sins. And they say, oh, I don't care. What's that to me? I don't believe you anyways. You know, God's all loving. He, he doesn't care. You know, yeah. we, we clearly his law is... We went over this back earlier in Romans. What shall we say? So we sin more that grace may abound? No, right? The whole goal is that the, the flesh is put to death, right? Uh -huh. And that the, uh, the new man made in the image of Christ through the spirit, you know, rises up daily. Well, and, uh, <laughs> you, you, you got me on a good one there. Um, saying, you know, uh, about, you know, loving and everything. Only Christian Christianity is only saddled with words that has never gets saddled to anybody else. Oh, you're supposed to be a Christian, and <laughs> and you and you don't um, like. How are you supposed to be loving when you told that person they're not supposed to be blah blah blah? And I said, well, because I care, you know. And would if you had one of those parents. They just sat at home and looked at their phone all day and their kids ran wild. And would you would you define that as loving because you let them just do what they wanted to do? No, they'd be negligent. You'd take those kids away from them. But in Christianity, that's like for the world. That's the model for Christianity is to say, unless you're affirming of everything we are, I'm going to say, how dare you call yourself a Christian? The Bible says you're supposed to love people. And I'm like, you have no idea how much love I have for these people. And 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 you just tell me that for you, love means apathy and affirming. And in, in no other context would you ever use those words to say that's love. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, uh I sound like a, a cartoon character. I'm going Yosemite Sam, right? But he but he but Yeah, but he um uh, I'm going to back you up there with a text from Revelation. After Jesus gets done rebuking and calling these churches to repent, he says, those whom I love, I reproach and discipline. So, I mean, if you're not being reproached and disciplined, you got to ask yourself, is there something wrong? Because, you know, these these sufferings that a lot of people feel, am I, am I saved? Am I not saved? You know, usually I'm going to say 99% of the time you're saved. You're just... You're worried about it because the devil's attacking you. You know, uh, God has promised the salvation. He's got the salvation. He's not going to give it to you. He's not going to give it to me. He entrusts that to himself because we can't even do coffee and car keys, right? So, uh, <laughs> yes, I mean, um, but yes, when people talk about the snowflake Jesus, I'm thinking, wait a minute. You know, I remember the Jesus who, who, uh, rules with an iron staff right yeah. who who uh you know he's the manly man jesus in other words he's like he's like the good dad when you do something bad you know he gives you the uh the spanking and the forgiveness and the hug you know yeah well that's... so you don't but but why are you doing the bad so you don't like fall down a mine shaft and die you know what i mean that's that's why the spanking's there that would be the repentance and then you have the uh, the hug and the forgiveness is the absolution. So, well, I think what you're you're hitting on is exactly what people find with the the problem with Christianity is they. I think it's a modern problem that, or well, maybe it's not a modern problem, but we just kind of don't really know what it means when the Bible uses the word love. You know, it doesn't mean sex. It doesn't mean affirming it love means in the christian sense of of loving god and knowing what's right so there's there's always this issue with um with uh with using love to mean whatever you want it to mean and in the bible it, it's a lot it's a lot more clear you know love being patient and kind and not boastful that kind of thing it isn't, and love is affirming and apathetic. And <laughs> well, and most people equate love as a feeling. Now, I mean, love is a feeling, but it's not always necessarily a feeling. Like, 
truth is love. You know, truth is loving. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, do you have to have feelings when you're giving somebody the truth? No, but it's still the loving thing to do, right? Is truth a feeling or is it just a knowledge, right? Right. You see, you see what I'm getting at yeah. here is most people equate with the feelings. We want to make it especially clear that faith is not built on feelings because if it were, I would be moaning and groaning with everybody else that, that I am not saved. But what I, because I've never felt forgiven, but I've always taken the objective word. I shouldn't say always, but you know, the, the later half of my life, I've taken the objective word and said, no, God has said so. I don't have to trust my feelings. They're very misleading. You know what I mean? And, and here is where I can stand. So it's, it's not on my feelings. And that's the, I think that is a huge stumbling block for a lot of people is equating feelings with faith. Well, you can't, yeah, because your feelings inevitably fail you. You know, the, you know uh, unless you're listening to Boston, your feelings can't be trusted. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you, yeah, you just can't. You have to go by, and thanks be to God. Now, this is prescriptive. You have to go with what God says is right. And um, and that's definitely, I mean, that's the end of that, even that tale. Um, I love that. So now, as we are into minute 41, we, are, uh, we have upgraded to unlimited space. And so... Um, I was hoping that you could answer one of the questions. It was directed it to you, but I, I did a Pastor Hoffman snarky snark. And, um, but the question was uh, from Katrina, Zach Lesher, how do we approach health and fitness from a Lutheran perspective? Now, you are a guy who's into not only health and fitness, but lifting heavy things. And um, what would you say as somebody who... Who has a who has even a reputation for this kind of stuff? How do you how do you think about your your regimen and everything as a also as a Lutheran? Okay, so for that it goes with anything else that we do in life. Moderation is the key. Anything in excess uh, can be sinful unless it's per se like the first commandment, and you just like love living at church, right? So. Uh, moderation is the key, and I never put um, any of those kinds of goals or hobbies in front of my regular vocations. And that means, you know, the first three commandments, uh, obviously taking care of my wife and my children. That means going to work and making sure that my vocational duties are all met, teaching my children um, the catechism and so forth. Um, before I enter into any hobby slash uh, exercise um, portion of my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the, the, the key is to recognize, okay, what are the most important things that I have to do today? That's why I usually don't get to lift till maybe 6 o'clock, you know, 7 o'clock at night um, after my day is finished because I have to go through and do all these important things. And then I usually study after I eat, you know, after I finish lifting, get it, get some food and a shower. So then I wind down to try and go to sleep. But the key is, is like I said, moderation, you know, you don't, you can't put, put any of that in front of, you know, your, your vocations, you know, as father, Christian, husband, all of this. So that goes behind. Uh, and then when it's behind and you're self-controlled about things, then, you know, you're not falling into temptation. Well, it seems to be a logically consistent thing with these kind of, for you to say, well, you know what? It should be done in moderation. And, um, and also be wary of the first commandment. Watch out for that. But um, yeah, moderation. People have a hard time with that word because even addiction and this kind of stuff, well, that's that's definitely a sign of the fall to say that 
I'm never satisfied. You know, that's what addiction is. I mean, I'll be honest. I used to smoke cigarettes, and when I when I quit, uh, my addiction told me, "You you are unsatisfied. This this is unsatisfying." And you know, that's a sign of being a sinful person to say that. You know, my needs aren't being met, and um, and that's just not true. But addiction tells you the opposite. It tells you you don't have enough. You need more. You need more. And I'll tell you, I, I quit smoking now in 2003. That's 15 years ago. And every now and then that little thing knocks on the door and goes, hey, hey, hey. And I'm like, go, go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and think of somebody that, you know, has alcohol, drugs, whatever. There's such a thing as sex addiction. There's all kinds of things where you're just saying, you know what? I am not satisfied. And um, that's kind of where that falls in there. And, and, you know, you know, the, you know, the guys at the, the, the gym that they wake up, they get there at five in the morning and, and they work out until, you know, the end of the day, they'll be there and you're just going, Whoa, I, I, I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> well, and I know I post pictures and stuff like that, but really I don't take myself too seriously either. You know, you can't, I take myself seriously if it's like a competition, but outside of that, you know, um, I am, you know, a select few in, in my strength category. So, um, I mean like on the planet yeah. because I've been at this so long, but you know, you get these guys now who like puff themselves up and, and walk with this strut and I'm like, bro, what are you doing? You know, I lift like three times what you lift in. And I waddle, you know, like we don't, we don't have to fake this here. You can let the air out. You can breathe. You know, it's just like this haughtiness and, you know, um, it, it's just always, uh, striking to see. Cause I'm like, you know, my, I guess the Christian life is, is totally different cause you're not trying to puff yourself up against your neighbor, but you know, um, that's why I prefer definitely too to have a full commercial gym in my basement because not only can I lift what I want to lift and not scare people, um, you know, I don't have to deal with as much of that because um, um, there is a lot of vanity involved for a lot of guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like you were just saying, there th that's definitely part of it, and. I guess that's why I'm not friends with a lot of lifters is because they're like you were saying that they are pretty vain and selfish um, where I'm approaching it from a different angle. You know, they're asking me about, you know, getting shredded or this and that. And I've done everything, you know, but I'm like, well, what does it matter? You know, I don't care if I got fat, if I got abs, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm just trying to move some weight here. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, you kind of you remember that old cartoon He Man? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That, I watched all those as a kid. I think that's probably what got wrong with the GI Joes, yeah. and the He Mans, and well, I think oh, yeah. I think um, I think if if we lived in a world that was you know because everybody in He Man is unrealistically ripped. And, oh yeah, and oh so, yeah. That's like if everybody kind of kind of had your build, that would be He Man's world. Because, I mean, I'm just sitting there as a kid going, dang, I'm never going to be like, you know what I mean? And the G.I. Joes that I had in the 70s, they were skinny. And then they they started making G.I. Joes again in the 90s, and they look huge. Uh, they're ripped. And so well, it, it, that, that brings another great point is is that, that society and the world are always telling people how to look and how to, to do this. And you get, you know, girls – that want to be models or whatever. And they're making themselves sick with these diseases of like bulimia and other things. It's like, you know, I'm not, I don't go to that kind of extreme. I have self-control in, in what I do too, I guess I should say. Um, meaning like I wouldn't, you know, cross any sinful lines to achieve my goal. Um, but yeah, you, when you have the world telling you, this is how you should look and this and this and this, you know, it's, it leads to all kinds of problems. Um, I have to ignore myself sometimes too, because you know, the, the flesh will creep in and start telling you, well, you need to improve here or here or here. And I'm like, stop it. You know, I'm not going to listen to that. You know, it's just like any other fight. Think of any simple fight you have with yourself. You know, that's, 
that's uh, the same fight, you know, I'm having within myself. But, um, yeah, you're not supposed to look like this, you know. Um, when Scripture talks about Christ, there was nothing um, attractive about him is what it says, right? Sure. So, But still, that doesn't mean you should skip leg day. No, I know. Never skip. <laughs> Matt, Matt man never skips like this. So. <laughs> so, definitely. Well, you know what? I I hope, I hope that's really the answer that that she was looking for. And I, I mean, because really, I think you did a good job of it and um, of describing. You know what? I do this, but my wife also knows my name, and my kids know my name, and and uh, I. I teach them and, and you spend time with your family, you're faithful in your worship and your devotion life. So it's like, I always like saying, is it sinful to go to the gym? No, but it is sinful if the gym is your, is your God. The gym's not the problem, dude. The, <laughs> the person is always the problem. And well, so, and that, you know, you, you bring up one more good point I want to touch on. That's another reason I have a full gym at home. So that I'm readily available to take care of my family needs if something arises. So, I mean, you can work around any goal. You just have to uh, figure out how you're going to do that and not cross this boundary to where, okay, now my family needs me and I'm not around, right? You yeah. see what I'm saying? Or, you know, the last thing I want to say is time. 19 years I've got into this. So anything you're going to do, whether it be theology or uh, weightlifting, or you know, you're gonna come become a professional in something at work. You're gonna have to put in time. So, I mean, that's that's a big component for anybody looking to lose weight or do anything like that. It takes time. Don't expect it to happen overnight. You know what? Patience and everything. You know, you those are just time, patience. That's kind of what this all is. And um, definitely. Well, you know what? I don't think we have a better note to end on than that. Uh, I think that was great. And by the way, thank you very much for your insights on that. And uh, well, well, this is all the time we actually have for today. So until next time, this is Pastor Hoffman for Zach Lesher saying God bless your week. <laughs>